Psalm 95. Broad is the way that leads to death, but there's a straight and narrow way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. O Lord, let us be part of the few. Lord, help us be part of the few. Lord, we want to be part of the few. Stir us up and keep us in your way of righteousness. Psalm 95 contains a prophecy in the second half that I fear most of the Israelites didn't understand until our brother Paul with the Holy Spirit opened it up and repeated it and repeated it in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4. But let's understand it as a warning about the New Testament era. It didn't even apply to David's generation except very indirectly. It applied to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ and his visitation to the nation of Israel that they had better take his visit seriously or there would be serious consequences to pay as there were serious consequences to pay when the generation in the wilderness did not take the land of Canaan. The first half are words of praise to our great God and how we ought to come before his presence. The second half is a warning for those who do not come before his presence that way. Let us all stand together and read the precious word of God together in unison. Together. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. And he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if ye will hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Amen. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us sing and give thanksgiving. Verses 1 and 2 tell us. Oh, come. Look at the enthusiasm of the psalmist. Come on, let's get with it. Let's sing and give thanksgiving. And both of these commands are repeated in the New Testament, so we know that they apply to us Gentiles as well. Both of the first two verses also say, let us make a joyful noise. So for those of you that are embarrassed about your singing ability, you're covered as well. And I don't say that foolishly. The Lord just wants something coming out of our mouths to give Him praise and thanksgiving. 
He wants us using the noise box in our throats to address Him and to lift Him up. We make noises when we're excited about other things. We shout, we scream, we sing, and He wants us to do that for Him as well. Why should we do it? Verse 3 tells us, because the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. That's why. He is a great God. If you want to compare His divine nature, He has no peer. And He is a great King above all gods of this earth, above all rulers. He rules over all. Furthermore, He's our Creator. Verse 4, in His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. It doesn't matter whether it's Death Valley or the Dead Sea. Well below sea level. The Lord owns them all. It doesn't matter whether it's a diamond mine in South Africa, a couple of miles below the surface of the earth. The Lord controls and owns it all. Job 28 tells us that every vein of every metal in the stones and rocks of the earth are His. He put them there, and He rules them and keeps them. And every hill, Mount Everest is here called a hill. The hills of the Lord are His as well. The strength of the hills is his also. Then verse 5, the sea, the oceans as we would call them, he made it. He made the sea. So it's all his. He put a little bit of water in a little bit of a depression in the earth's surface in order for us to have oceans. And his hands formed the dry land. He scooped together a little bit of sand and formed the dry land for us. You can get in your car and drive for hours and hours and hours as some of our men will find out in 12 days. And you're still driving on the land that he formed with his hands by taking a little bit of sand and dirt and pulling it out of the water and forming dry land for us, as Genesis chapter 1 describes. He owns it all. That's why we should sing and bring praise. He is a great God. You've never met anyone like him. The most powerful personage in your life is nothing in comparison to him. And we say yes, sir, and no, sir, to those that are powerful in this world, but they are nothing compared to the Lord of glory. So we should want to sing and give thanksgiving when we come into his presence. And if you don't, he will get glory out of your life anyway. And I love serving that God. He will have the last laugh on all those who ignore or neglect him, including this morning. So set your hearts to worship him. That is why we have verse 6, O come, based on the fact that He is our Creator. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We do not have prayer rails on the back of our PUs for you to kneel down, but you can kneel in your hearts. And I hope at home you kneel on your knees from time to time and humble yourself before your Creator. O come, Let us kneel and worship Him before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God. This great Creator God is not just a distant God watching us. He is our God. He is our Father in Heaven. And therefore we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. He is our Good Shepherd. And He takes care of us in every good way. If we trust in Him and follow Him. In the middle of verse 7, we have a division. 
We have a period in the middle of verse 7, and we begin a new sentence, and we begin a new thought. If the first six and a half verses are true, we had better come before him with thanksgiving. We had better sing praise unto him. We had better kneel and bow down and follow him. Or his judgment is going to be severe because he deserves that from us. We have these words today, if ye will hear his voice. Today is a word describing the gospel, the gospel era. It did not apply to David. It did not apply to Solomon. It did not apply to Josiah. The Apostle Paul is going to say he limiteth a certain day in David with that one word. That one word opened up to us by the New Testament tells us it is the gospel day. Right. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. As Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we are in that period of time of the Messiah. Today, if ye will hear his voice, meaning there's a choice you're going to make in what you do with the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to love and obey him? Or are you going to ignore or reject him? The choice is yours. He will punish you if you ignore and reject him. He will bless you if, if, if you will hear his voice. What a difference he made among the Jews. He destroyed a generation that did not know the time of their visitation. He wiped them out and scattered them among all nations. He took the gospel and the kingdom of God away from them, burned up their city and destroyed their place of worship. And he gave it to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, it tells us in Acts 13, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. He took the kingdom of God away from the nation that would not give him their fruits in due season and gave it to a nation that would. And let's make sure we are that nation today by giving him the fruit of our lips and of our hearts. Praise to his glorious name. Today, if you will hear his voice, that short little statement there is going to be melt by our brother Paul in Hebrews 3 and 4 as describing the choice that the Hebrews had before them in the days of the Apostle Paul to follow Christ or not. And then he gave them an example that every Hebrew would understand well. What had happened to the generation of their fathers that provoked God in the wilderness by not taking the land of Canaan. Verse 8, harden not your heart. And I say that to every one of you that's listening to me right now. You have a choice to make in your heart. You can harden it and ignore me and try to reject me. God will crush you. Or you can soften your heart and say, Lord, teach me everything that you can today so that I can be a joyful Christian. Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That day was when the 12 spies came back from Canaan and said, it is a beautiful land. It is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. Ten of them then said, but the people there are great and we are not able 
to destroy them. Two of the spies said, let us go up and take it. If the Lord is with us, it'll be easy. He's made them to be bread for us. They've already dug the wells, made the cities, and planted the vineyards. Let's go enjoy. But Israel would not. And it's called the day of provocation because they provoked the Lord of glory to anger. And the Lord of glory in anger swore against them that they would never see that land. Even though they repented. Even though they said we have sinned. Even though they repented, said we have sinned, and put their weapons on, and went up to take the land, they were whipped in their first battle, because the Lord was no longer with them, because God will withdraw Himself, even from His people, when they rebel enough. Horror! Lord, save us! No wonder David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, in the midst of his grief over his terrible sins. It's called the day of temptation because they tempted the Lord. They tempted the Lord to think that they could get away with rejecting his fantastic gift of the land of Canaan. And they tempted him and they proved him. And they got to see his work over the next 40 years as he wiped them out. As verse 9 tells us, verse 10 says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation This generation that was in the wilderness and rejected him and would not take the land of promise. And he said about them, it is the people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. God swore against that generation in the wilderness. They could not repent. They could not say we have sinned and take the land. It was too late. And so for 40 years they wandered in circles. And were destroyed until all their carcasses were buried. And then their children, that they were so fearful about, under the leadership of Joshua, crossed the Jordan River and took the land. And dwelt in those cities and ate the produce of that land and drank from those wells and made wine from those vineyards. But their fathers were all buried on the other side of the Jordan. The Lord Jesus Christ came Unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus Christ did not come and visit the Gentiles. Jesus was a minister of the circumcision, and he said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And for 40 years, they had an opportunity to hear the Messiah, see all his signs and wonders, just like ancient Israel saw under the hands of Moses. They saw them from the hands of Jesus of Nazareth and from his apostles. And they rejected, and God swore against them as well. And they were destroyed. And the gospel and the kingdom went to the Gentiles throughout the earth. And here we are today, nearly 2,000 years later, enjoying the benefits of his kingdom. May we be that nation that gives him his fruits in due season. Today. If ye will hear his voice, if every single one of you face an if, every one of you, if you are going to confidently and faithfully and joyfully follow Jesus Christ or not, if you give him less than a faithful, confident, joyful service, it is not enough. He will chasten and punish you. And rightfully so. 
Because, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He has done, is doing, and will do so much for us if we'll follow him. But if we neglect that great salvation and do not follow him, he will chasten us terribly. That sounds fair to me. He's offered us so much. He's calling us this morning. He hasn't left us. He's given us his word. and He's calling us right now. Let's respond in joy and follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all our might. Do not turn back to Egypt in your hearts. Do not think about anything in this world. There is nothing in this world that can make you happy or is pleasing or satisfying or fulfilling to the flesh. Nothing. Turn and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and find in him your all in all. If you will hear his voice, he's calling. He's done so much for us and he's going to do so much for us. And he is and will do so much for us if we trust in him and follow him. May we do that this day. Amen.